0: everybody to the hockey think tank podcast brought to you by the hockeythinktank.com a website for players, parents and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on two guys from the app and website project hockey, Danny Heath and Evan Karen They're going to come on to talk some hockey, talk of their journey, and also talk about this unreal app and website that they've created for hockey development called Project Hockey. But before we do get over to Danny and Evan, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey Lavecchio Vex. What's up today?
1: In the red corner, standing at six foot two, two pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal it's me <laughs> what's up dope?
0: i don't want you to do my intro in the blue corner. i don't want i don't want my uh my height nor my weight uh nor my sex appeal uh on uh on this podcast although it's a good thing it's a podcast it's not video so, so it's all good
1: so. man i'm great i got like uh 11 hours of sleep last night i didn't have my morning groups because they're uh in colorado for triple a lead playoffs so i got to sleep in and wow this is what it feels like man this is what it feels like to win i guess i feel great right now
0: (laughs) (laughs) well you don't have any kids either so that helps (laughs) yeah truth, truth. Yeah, we got a couple colds going on in the Scott household, so a lot of ruddy noses, and that's that's never a fun time for all the parents oh. out there. They know what that's all about.
1: <laughs> oh, that I, that I read. My dog did wake me up to the sound of him peeing on the floor last night, so that was cool, but <laughs> <laughs> my puppy, but yeah not the same anyways, yeah, I'm good, man. I, I'm excited to be talking uh, talking about these guys because you know how I feel and I know how you feel about how insanely expensive hockey is and how disgusting we overpriced almost everything to do with hockey is and for a couple of guys to set this up for all these kids and players around the world for such a cheap price 19 99 a month um, to help guys get better I am all for that
0: yeah and uh, we'll talk about it too the thing that I like best is just the community aspect to it it's almost like a social media site to connect kids that are pretty passionate about hockey and it takes away all the negativity of social media, which we've talked about in previous podcasts. So, um, just a really, really cool thing. Um, so we'll get into that in just a bit. There's one thing that I did want to bring up that I thought was really interesting. And so Curtis Carr, who is an assistant coach with Bowling Green right now, just one of the best guys in the business. Uh, he was texting me the other day that um, And then I actually did this with my team too, just kind of taking a, a cue off of him. So he he has kids that are a lot younger, like might age, you know, squared age type stuff. And, and so he kind of like at one of his practices was like, all right, what do you guys want to do? <laughs> and just kind of like let the kids run the practice a little bit and said it was awesome. And the kids were like so capable, even at such a young age, to like I don't want to say plan the practice, but just like kind of run the practice and say this is what we want to do and yada yada yada. So it was a great practice, and I actually did that with my 18U team too. I went in the locker room. Actually, it was I went into we had, we did a workout beforehand. I went to the workout. I said, "You guys got practice today, so like you guys come up with the drills, get together, what you guys want to do. Like I'll coach, so I'll blow the whistle and I'll coach and teach and all that kind of stuff. But you guys." figure out what you want to work on, figure out what the drills are. And let's see, you know, and it was the best practice we had. It was an unreal practice. Like they were so engaged. I think they were pretty excited. The fact that I like, you know, involved them in the planning of, of the practice and stuff too, and gave them a little bit of ownership. So it was really cool to just kind of hear, you know, it, it worked with Curtis and his, his like kids and, and their team at, at a really young age. And then when I did it at uh, at the older age, it, it was awesome too. So I just think I would encourage coaches to, to try that, you know, like let, let the kids, plan a practice give them ownership of their development what drills they want to do and, and things like that and it uh it, it worked out pretty well that's
1: unreal I love that and I was I was gonna ask I mean I know why but I was gonna ask why why was it one of the best practices you answered it? like they were just so engaged they were involved you know they had a hand in the planning they knew it was coming they were excited to do that they were more engaged you're gonna get more out of them is that right
0: yeah, totally. And, and it was cool. It was almost like a little team building thing too, because I went in there with the whole team and said, all right, you guys got practice. And then that was it. Like I did not give them any other direction other than it's yours. And they asked like, how many drills do you think we should do? And blah, 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 blah. And I was like, ah, you know, this six or seven, you know? And, um, and just kind of went from there. And yeah, like it was a team building thing too, because for me as a coach, you kind of got to see who kind of stepped up as a leader to, to kind of take charge. So I got to know my team a little bit, and then they were going back and forth on a bunch of different stuff and laughing and making fun of each other. And, and it was almost like a little fun community team building type thing too. So, so many different merits to it and and how it was good. And uh, yeah, I just, I encourage all coaches to try it.
1: I love that. It kind of reminds me like in pro and maybe, we did it in juniors, but it wasn't Can-Am. Like, did you ever do like Can-Am games? You come in one day and like maybe it was after a hard weekend or a couple wins in a row and coach just puts on the board like Can-Am and it was like, all right, you're going to choose two captains and then and then uh, one team's going to be the Canadians, one team's going to be the Americans and, or, or, you know, USA versus whoever or, or you just split the team between ca- Canadians and Americans. But like sometimes you have uh, – Or you just uh, throw
0: sticks in the middle. Yeah, like six something in the like that. or have a fantasy draft. You obviously yeah. don't do it in front of everybody because you yeah. don't want to be the last guy picked on your team. But you bring, you know, four guys maybe into a different room and you have a fantasy draft and stuff. Yeah, for sure. I love that.
1: I love doing the draft in the room. Like, I'm sure it would suck to be the last guy picked. But like, also, maybe that gives them motivation. I also don't want to like, wussify society. But I do get that for the younger ages. For the older ages, I love the draft is so much fun in the room. Absolutely love that, but that was also at the pro level, like a little bit. You, yeah, you're right. You don't want to do that with kids, but.
0: And then uh, the captains, they they like <laughs> they make a little pack, Say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna not take this guy into the <laughs> <laughs> even if he's like one of the best players on the team, but he's the sensitive guy on the team, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so then he just gets all rattled. <laughs> so funny, I
1: love it. But those were always like you know, even though it was like kind of a day off, like more of a fun day. Everyone played hard because like they were engaged, like, and that's what I was. that it's super fun way to engage the players pre-practice so that you have a better practice
0: yeah we used to do at Cornell we had a pretty good split of U.S. and Canada so we would do like U.S. Versus Canada or Canada against the world. Cause we had a couple of European players too. And that also like, it made sure a little bit that it wasn't just like a, you know, a Sunday skate where you weren't like, it actually got competitive and it was like fun. That was the point of yeah. it. But still, when there's something, something on the line, especially when it's country pride and especially when it's Canada versus us in hockey, it's always, there's going to be a little bit more to it. I love it. I love it. Those were always the most fun. Yeah totally. So yeah, I just, I, I wanted to bring that up because it was interesting and, and having Curtis text me about that and and him saying it went so well with the young kids and then me trying it with the older kids. It just, uh, uh yeah, like I said, I've said it 19 times already in this intro, but try it and see, see what you think and let us know, shoot us messages on, on social media or shoot us an email and let us know how it goes if you do, because, um, I hope you enjoy it. So Um, Yeah, but uh, going to Project Hockey now, obviously talked a little bit about it, but just uh, two great guys that are trying to trying to make the hockey world better, just like we are. And I think, you know, Jeff and I, as we say on the podcast, we are very, very selective about the people that we choose to work with on this thing, because this this is our, this is our baby. And we only want to surround ourselves with good people that care about the game and are doing things for the right reasons. And and these guys definitely are. So you're going to get a sense of what this project hockey app and community is all about. And um, yeah, it's just, it's really, really cool. Wanted the chance to get these guys on here to talk about it. And they have great stories too. I mean, their past, I mean, we talk about it all the time. Like everybody's path to high level hockey is very, very different, you know, and and Danny's path. He grew up in Glendale, Arizona and fell in love with hockey because the coyotes moved there from Winnipeg. And just a really neat experience that he had. Uh, And then Evan grew up in a really, really, really small town up in uh, northern British Columbia, and his family emigrated to Canada when he was five years old, and and they played together at Minnesota State Mankato. Um, And it's just, uh, it's just overall really fun podcast with these two guys. And I think uh, everybody's going to get a lot of a lot of entertainment value out of it but also um again really just want to help these guys with with their project in project hockey we're not making any money out of it um or anything like that we just want to provide a, a cool thing for for our listeners
1: yeah what well, you said couldn't say it any better i lo- <laughs> love it were you daydreaming or what <laughs> no i just thought, like I, there's nothing i could add i mean i i said it when we first opened up you know i I believe in them. I, I love what they're doing. I love the competition aspect, which you know we talk about all the time. I think the more you can compete at anything, the more you're going to get out of everyone that's that's involved. And then uh, you know, being able to being able to just have something for people who can't afford or can't leave their house right now, or can't get to a rink or whatever. Like it's it's less than a dollar a day. You know, I mean, I think that this is this is. Cl- checking off so many boxes for so many people that could use this. And, uh, and like I said, like they're, they're not trying to make it a hundred dollars a month or anything crazy. So I love that that is in line with, you know, where I hope hockey starts to go more of finding ways to help people with cheaper options, but
0: still quality uh, material totally and i i almost think that you know one of our sponsors is ice systems.com and we do a lot of stuff with them and i almost feel like this is the perfect like these two the ice hockey systems is tailored towards the coaches and making the coaches better the project hockey is is tailored a little bit more towards the players and giving them some things to do away from the rink uh to make themselves better too it's almost like a perfect marriage you know with our podcast again we want to promote these incredible companies and organizations that are really elevating our game and 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 those two companies certainly are so nice little segue way to go to um to our sponsors uh ice is our drill sponsor and the drill i want to talk about today very very simple one Um, it's a one-on-one drill. That's just all about angling. And so what you do is you have uh, a coach that has a puck and you're inside the zone and you have the net where it's supposed to be. And he's got the puck kind of at the top of the circle. You got one player who's going to be the offensive player that's on the hash marks towards the wall. And then you got one player that's more at the top of the circle. Um, that's going to be the defensive player. So basically all you do is you throw the puck into the corner and the offensive guy goes and gets the puck and he's got to try and round the net. And then you put two cones up at the top of the circle on the other side. And his his job is to skate the puck through those cones. You get a point for doing that. And the defensive player, it's all about angling. So you have to angle where you're using your stick, trying to force them to go where you want them to go um, and and try to create a turnover. And if you do, then you try and shoot the puck in the net and then you get a point. So it's a really good drill. Again, we talk about angling all the time and how important it is in in hockey. Uh, I actually have something coming out on our website where – I've talked about this before – where I went in and and watched a video of the last five Selkie winners. So, you know, the best two way players in the game. And one of the things that they are just absolutely incredible at is, uh, is just angling and sticks. I kind of went into this project thinking like, Oh, I'm going to find this really cool thing that they all do the same that nobody else does. And it was like, no, they're just really good at fundamentals (laughs) like every time. Um, But anyway, so go to the website and see that I'll have that out here by, by the time this podcast comes out. Um, But yeah, so the defensive player again, angle, use your stick. Uh, offensive player, you're trying to change speeds, trying to fool the defensive player, whether you're, you know, you know, slow down and speed up and round the net, whether you go in front of the net, either way, uh, you're trying to get that puck across and skate the puck through the cones. And so, and you can do a bunch of different stuff with this too. You know, you can make it a two on one, you can make it a one on two, you could do a bunch of different things and progress it up from that one on one. Um, but yeah, just really cool drill. Go to icehockeysystems.com and check it out. And uh, this would have been one of your favorite drills. This was your kind of bread and butter, huh, when you were a player?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I remember the first time I ever did like an angling drill like this and how bad I was. And then having I don't remember where if it was juniors or if it was midgets were being coached up on it and the importance of it. And then like you really start to like realize, oh, my God, like that. It's along the same lines of thinking if you're back checking and you're behind the guy who's got the breakaway or whatever, instead of back checking the player, if you back check to the closest post, you're going to he's going. That's where he's going. So, like, if you learn to do that, you're going to have more of a chance to uh, catch him later down the ice than if you, like, just, like, follow him, basically. Like, like, angles on the ice are so, so, so important. They take away time and space. You force a player to go where you want them to go, even though you don't have the puck. Um, so, learning these things is, is extremely important. So, coaches listening, I hope you start putting drills like this into your practices because at the higher levels, this is everything.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't only, you know, it's an angling drill that's kind of slanted towards a defensive player, but not really, because as an offensive player, you have to learn how to use your stick and change your speeds and manipulate the defender too. So um, again, yeah, because when you get to the higher levels, players are a lot smarter, bigger and faster, and you have a lot less time and space. So if you're doing drills in practice to take away time and space with the players with the puck, then they're going to get a lot better too. And the drill that we just talked about is a little bit more, almost kind of like a D retrieval. You're trying to get the net and trying to come through. Uh, but you can also make it into a little bit of uh, of an offensive drill. So you talk about a two on one or something like that, where you have a goalie in the net and you start it the same way where you have, you know, you put the puck in the corner, the offensive guy's got to go get it. The defensive guy. Now he's got a shoulder check. He's got to know where the player in the slot is, and he's got to use his stick to, to try and kill the play. The guy in the slot, he's He's got to try and find a way to, to get, get into an area of support where he can get the puck from the guy that gets the puck going around the net. And there's just a lot of different things that you can do. And I just think that those kinds of skills are, are so extremely important into, um, the fabric of, uh, of a really good hockey player today. And the more even like, you know, even the analytics people that are doing a lot, a lot on the analytics side, they're really trying to figure out what, really good defensive players are doing. And there's a lot more stats. I feel like it used to be just offensive stats, but now they're doing a lot of defensive stats too. And I, I just feel like the the people who can angle the best, use their sticks, stick pressure, you're just putting yourself in a much better situation to be a more well-rounded player. And if you want to get to the next level, you're a lot more marketable <laughs> to uh, to do that because as a coach, Again, when it comes to recruiting, having been a former recruiter, there are certain players that coaches talk about that they have – that they just light up about. And I feel like a lot of times those players are really, really good two-way players. They're just, they just give the coaches so much comfort that, Hey, I can throw this player out in any situation. And I feel no stress. <laughs> we all have players who we throw out there. and We're like, Oh gosh, what's going to happen in this shift today. And then there's the players who you throw out there and it's like, Oh man, I know what I'm going to get like I'm, I'm good. And you can throw them out of the power play penalty kill six on five, five on six, whatever. And you're like, we're, we're in a much better situation than the other team right now. And so the more we can develop those types of defensive habits and, and concepts and skills within these players um, I think the better. And uh, it just, uh, yeah, just this angle drill is pretty cool. Long-winded, <laughs> long-winded, long-winded answer to, or not even a question, but just this drill.
1: But. Yeah, No, I love it. I love it. And I love that you took it to a Belfry level and, and threw in, well, then you could progress it to this and you can progress it to this. And for anyone who hasn't listened to our episode with, with Daryl Belfry, like okay what are you doing uh you need to listen to that because it was unbelievable and talking about drill progressions and you know tof just threw out a couple ideas how to change a drill once they, your players get good at it so this could be a multifaceted drill working on the offensive player a little more working on the defensive player a little more so unreal love this one you guys should definitely incorporate
0: absolutely and then uh yeah so thank you to icehockeysystems.com for being our drill sponsor those guys are awesome some more awesome guys are the guys at gelsticks and they are our title sponsor go to gelsticks.com g e l s t x.com and they have awesome uh weighted training sticks that you can use on the ice you can use them in the basement on the driveway you can use them like jeff does in his gym um, so yeah, go to gelsticks.com, use the coupon code think tank one word, and you will be able to get a weighted training stick. Jeff, you wanna hop on the train heroic train here?
1: Yeah, thanks to Train Heroic, or one of our other sponsors. That's where all of my programs are housed. Um that for hockey players and for non-athletes. So any parents who are looking for a challenge, I I started something in November called Train With Me. And uh, my goal is to get hundred people training with me year round doing my exact workouts. And I have athletes on there. One of the players, uh, that plays for him is doing it with me. Cause it's very athletic in nature. It would be good for a hockey player. Um, but it's not specific to hockey players. It's just staying athletic, staying strong, mobile, uh, preventing injuries, stuff like that, that I've learned to follow me that have started it with me and, uh, pretty exciting. <clears throat> and, and that's all on train with me too. So I want to say thank you to Train With
0: Me for for working with me and working with the podcast. Love it. Love it. And we also have a coupon code for... project hockey too. So if you go to projecthockey.com uh, with these guys, use the coupon code think tank, uh, and you'll get a nice little discount on, uh, on your project hockey subscription as well. And, uh, yeah, we really enjoyed this episode. We really enjoy promoting people that we think are are doing great things in the game. And, uh, I think you're going to love, uh, this conversation with Danny and Evan. So without further ado, here we go with Danny Heath and Evan Karambelas. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast. There's going to be four of us Ooh. here today with my man Jeffrey Levechkio Jay. Who? We also have Danny Heath, who's up in the Minnesota era area, and Evan Carimbellas, who is out in Chicago right now. So, uh, got to start this off because we heard heard something about you, Danny, here before we got on. You're a bit of a hype
2: man. So, I'm what's going guy. on here? <laughs> Yeah, I lead I lead a double life. I'm uh, I love hockey. I do a ton of hockey stuff. Then I also I get crowds going at uh, some local CrossFit competitions back before COVID. But yeah, that's where the hype and uh, Danny hype comes. And now now I just get crap left and right from it from my buddies. But uh, whatever gets the people going.
0: I like it. I like it. And uh, I, I just have to do this, too. So you're a pretty awesome follow on on Instagram, and uh, just to make my partner on this podcast a little bit jealous because he measures his uh, his self by his Instagram following. Uh, h- how Easy, many, bro? <laughs> no, I don't. You you measure. No, I don't care. <laughs> I'm just kidding. How how many? How many?
2: Yeah. Well, we just passed 25k. So Unreal. It's- oh. <laughs> oh, wow, people, people love their uh, hockey drills. And I'll be honest, half that stuff I, I steal from other coaches and I, that, that's the best hockey coaches right They're They're the best thieves. And so, yeah, it's, uh, Vex is catching me. So I gotta, I gotta put a little gas in the tank, but it's, uh, it's awesome.
0: Absolutely, the guy's got a blue check mark baby. he's official, so good stuff <laughs> um all right so let's let's get get right into it here and and Danny, I want to start with you because um one of the things we talk about on the podcast like especially with team u s a winning world juniors over Canada uh not too long ago, which uh all of us except for Evan not very happy on on this <laughs> podcast uh, um <laughs> So I'm a big believer that USA hockey's growth and success had a lot to do with what I call the Wayne Gretzky effect and not what I call, but what other people would, would call it too. In the fact that he went down to LA and he just opened up all of this non-traditional market marketplace uh for teams to go down and and you grew up in glendale arizona and when uh, the coyotes moved there from from winnipeg you were at an age where that had to have been pretty exciting so um you know for you with them going down there what was that like with uh, the coyotes just coming to town and having an nhl team is that part of the big reason why you got into hockey
2: yeah it was so before that i played inline hockey and then i kind of when the coyotes came to town i was such like a A dumb kid at the time I was like hey we're getting all these Canadians coming down and being on our hockey like we're starting a Canadian hockey team because they came from Winnipeg and so I can remember the time I like had no idea, like I couldn't put it together Um, but yeah that's kind of what what sparked my interest and it it just so happened that like the birth year um, that I grew up with two ex-NHL hockey players their kids were the same birth year and so they coached our teams and so like literally from the age of peewees till I left home to play junior hockey I had Jimmy Johnson who played in the NHL for 15 years and I had Ulf Samuelson who was probably one of the most hated guys um to, to play the game again especially in the Boston area but it was pretty cool to have those two and being a defenseman myself like they were we had three sets of D and those two would always be uh D partners in practice and uh it, it was it was insane having that type of uh resources available every single night but yeah it was it was awesome when the the coyotes came like I remember going to watch him at where the phoenix suns played and like the the seats we always sat in you could only see you couldn't see um the one of the zones like it was such bad seating and so like they were cheap tickets so we got in basically for free but uh, we loved going to them, but yeah, you can only see you can only see neutral zone in the offensive zone or vice versa, depending on which way they're shooting. But yeah, it was definitely uh, it definitely had a huge effect. And there's like 13 ish kids on our team that ended up going to Division One from that like little pocket of kids. And I mean, you safe to say we paved the way for Austin Matthews. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Came a little bit behind us, but yeah, it definitely sparked everything down there in Arizona. Kind of that, you know, within two or three years of us and. The a couple of the girls in our our age, like Lindsay Fry, ended up playing for the Olympic team, and it's like it's awesome. So, definitely working
0: yeah. well, Vex. You had a bit of a similar experience where uh, you kind of paved the way for a lot of St. Louis hockey with your birth year. And I'm wondering just for both of you guys, maybe Vex will start with you like, what was that like to kind of be the age group, let's call it, to kind of start the path that's that like told people, hey, like people can come out of this area and achieve playing high-level hockey. And you had Peter Stassen. He was never really your coach, but he was around and I'm sure had a big influence on you being able to play with Paul those times. So did you have a pretty similar experience to Danny there in St. Louis?
1: Yeah, but, I mean, you don't know – we didn't know that many guys were going to make it to Division One from that team, you know. Like, when we stopped playing together, like, our team kind of disbanded around, like, sophomore year high school because, like, the AAA team split and then – I went and lived with you in Chicago that year because everyone split and we didn't have an off ice training program. And I was basically a walking, you know, pencil. So I knew that that was something that I needed to work on. Um, And then, you know, a couple of years go by later and it's like, Oh wow, we had nine or 10 guys go D one. And, you know, so we didn't know that we were that good uh, until a few years later, looking back, I mean like, Whoa, like every other year it was like one, two, maybe three, two, one, two, three. And it was like, whoa, nine or 10 and three guys signed NHL deals. So for me, it was like, we didn't really know it, but having Mr. Stasny around and Mike Zook and Basil McCray and all those guys, like it, it was invaluable. And, and then the guys after me were, you know, Keith Kachuk and Al McInnes and and all these guys that that just literally helped St. Louis so much. And Danny, I'm sure like, I mean, how much better was your team compared to the team above you in age and the team below you with those coaches? Like it had to be pretty insane.
2: Yeah, it was. And like a lot of times, like most people, like, or most organizations, like usually the better kids will play on like the older team. Like they'll play up at least out West, but in our little pocket, like our birth years stuck together. Like we would play and there was there, I mean, we would beat we'd beat the old team by six or seven goals. Like we'd, we'd smack them around, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely, a um, just, a something in the water. Like we Colton St. Clair went to to North Dakota, Joey Hulk to St. Cloud, Derek Johnson to Duluth, Philip Samuelson to BC, uh, Duncan McKellar to Canisius and Philip. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Right. I think the one of the kids that didn't go Mike Bosco ended up playing division one golf at San Diego state. So he might've got the real win. Good for him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it was cool. Like it was something special. And it's, it's the reason why, like, I never, never even thought of leaving home and I'm, I, I ended up leaving home my senior year to go play in the USHL and I, I regret it to this day. Um, but it's uh, something I just decided at that age. And I was kind of going through some different things and I decided to get out, but um, yeah, it was, it was awesome.
0: Well, wow, That's a cool story. It just goes to show you, I mean, everybody who asked me where my kid should play next year and that all that crap is going on right now, even though the season's not starting forever. Um, but I'm sure you guys are all getting questions about that stuff. Go to the best coach. Like, uh, like that's all you should worry about. Like, whoever the coach is, if that coach is gonna care about your kid and gonna and gonna play them, not gonna sit them on the bench all game, but you know knows what they're doing. I mean, that's the most important thing. And those are two um, great examples right there. Just two guys from non-traditional markets that had great coaches because NHL guys were sticking around, and and they ended up doing what they're doing. And uh, I just think that's a really, um, really good thing to talk about right now at this point is everybody's already jockeying for next year and trying to figure out what they're doing. I get a lot of, a lot of, a lot of head just, you know, duh right now, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, but Evan, I want to go to you next because you also got a pretty cool story. The fact I didn't know this, but just talking before we went on here, your, your family emigrated here from, uh, from Greece up to Port St. John um, British Columbia, which is, you said 13 hours North of Vancouver.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's up there we moved, uh, so yeah, I was born in Greece. We left, I was five years old. My mom was from Canada. So her, you know, she always wanted to to raise us there, but we, we found our opportunity, I guess, in Fort St. John, British Columbia with, like you said, is, is 13 hours North of Vancouver, close to the Alberta border, uh, small oil and gas town. And, um, and that's where we ended up. And I mean, for, for my family and, uh, and for me, I mean, hockey was not, you know, definitely not familiar, but, uh, I quickly learned that, uh, if I wanted to make any friends and, and fit in, I'd probably have to start playing hockey. If I was if I was living up there, um, so I started a little late. I started uh, I started learning how to skate when I was uh, you know around nine years old, which is a, a lot a lot later than probably anybody else in the town. Uh, you know, as soon as you can walk, uh, you get a pair of skates, uh, and you learn how to skate. But um, yeah, it was great. Hockey was uh, was the one sort of one thing that plugged me into the community right away.
0: That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So like, take us through, you know, we have listeners obviously from small towns that, that listen to this, but we also have, uh, I'm sure a ton of people that grew up near a city or a suburb or stuff where there's quite a few people. What's it like growing up in small town, Canada and Fort St. John? Um, and what was your experience like kind of going through youth hockey? Cause you got to play division one hockey and play junior hockey and got to a pretty high level. Like what, what was that experience like for you?
3: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I started. I started pretty late, so I definitely, you know, and I'm I'm a goalie, and I'll I'll get into kind of how I fell into that. But you know, when you start playing, everyone gets uh, gets an opportunity to you know throw the pads on. Uh, I was not a very good skater, but I was a big kid, and I was uh, I had like blind confidence for whatever reason. And uh, I remember we kept losing, kept losing games, and I told my coach like I need to be I need to play goal, and uh, and he said go ahead try it out. Uh, I think we tied the game probably like seven, seven at that time, but it was our first point that we got. And, um, I was pretty useless in any other position. Cause I mean, I legitimately couldn't skate at that time, but I was fearless and, and could stop pucks. So, um, I kind of, you know, kept playing goal, uh, ever since then, probably, probably my parents probably weren't happy about that. It's a pretty expensive position, but, uh, but I kept playing goal. And I mean, in, in that town, I mean, right now, if you look at your weather app for St. John with the wind chills, probably minus 45, um, winter is, uh, you know, unlike Danny who grew up, uh, in, in Arizona, I mean, winter is, you know, nine months out of the year. So, so ODRs are happening all the time. I mean, everything revolved around going to friends' places, whether they live on a lake, uh, and we go skate out there, uh, you know, watching hockey, um, everything sort of revolved around, uh, around that. And for me, um, you know, making friends, being new to, uh, to a city was, um, that was the, the, the one way to do it. Uh, so hockey was sort of at, at a young age, um, the one thing that connected us all. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was great. And in a small town like that, like you said, I mean, you become, if you, if you play hockey, you know, that's, that's the one way to make friends. It's also like super fun when you're, you know, playing on the weekends and the whole town essentially is there, is there watching you? Uh, it, it's pretty special.
1: I got a question for you, and this is going to sound stupid to you for <laughs> sure, but, like, I'm from St. Louis. doesn't snow a lot here, you know, doesn't get super cold. I've never played an outdoor rink personally in St. Louis. Like, you just go up to an outdoor rink, and you're just like, mm, I hope the good players are here, and you just start playing a game, or, like, how does that work? Because I I literally never had that.
3: Yeah, I mean, the when I was really young, they didn't have, like, any – outdoor rinks really built out. So you just kind of find a, you know, if, if you went to the lake, um, like I said, some friends that had houses out there would just build or sort of set up their own rink, but the town is so small. Everyone that plays hockey knows each other, whether you're, you know, if you're 12 years old, you know, you, you know, guys that are 16, you know, guys that are eight, you know, and so knock on a, knock on a friend's door, grab your skates. We're, g- we're going to play. Um, and, and that's really where people, learned all their skills at that point, you know, whether it's, you know, minus two or minus 40, uh, you're young and you're fearless. So you just go out and go out and play. We would put a, you know, nobody wanted to play goal, especially, I mean, even me at that, when it's that cold, the puck hurts a lot. So you tie up a boot or play posts and, uh, and just, you know, if if you hit the, if you hit the, if you hit the the post or you hit the boot, that's a goal. And uh, it was, it was a simpler time for sure.
0: That's awesome. Good old Bootsy. (laughs) Oh, that's the life, dude. That is absolutely the life. Just knocking on your friend's door saying, Hey, let's go play some, some outdoor hockey. There's nothing better than that. Nothing better than that. Well, let me ask you guys this. Cause you guys both come from different places. Like obviously Arizona and Fort St. John are very, very different for a lot of different reasons, but like, when you guys went to go play junior hockey, I can't imagine that you knew what junior hockey was just based upon being from a small town and, and being from a town that doesn't really have, or didn't really have a lot of kids coming through playing juniors um, before that. Was that like a really, because like even for us who kind of knew what junior hockey was to a certain extent, like it was a huge adjustment, just the, the game, the lifestyle, everything, it just kind of punches you between the eyes. Was it similar for you guys not having much of uh, of an education on it as well?
3: yeah I mean for for me we had a junior b team and and up in northern British Columbia northern Alberta it's when they say it's the jungle it legitimately was the jungle Um, you know I looked up to those guys obviously as a young kid like that was the highest level of hockey that that I knew Um, and there were guys uh, before me that had had left you know obviously there's guys that leave and play juniors in other cities there's a few NHLers that came from from Fort Saint John, but um, what really like was sort of a uh, eye opening for me was I remember playing, you know, I was on the Triple A team and we had gone to a couple tournaments. I was fifteen years old and um, I came home uh, after school, and this is a couple months after some of these tournaments. And my buddy called me and he's like, "Hey, did you did you see you got drafted in the WHL draft?" I had no idea that that was even a thing. Um, I don't know how many rounds there were, but I think I was probably the last pick of the last round. And then um, and I had no idea what that was. I got drafted to Moose Jaw. I looked on the map, where the hell is Jaw, Saskatchewan? And uh, I ended up going to a couple camps, but I started realizing, and my parents started realizing at, at 15, <sighs> if you want to go anywhere, um, you're going to have to leave. So I, at, you know, at 15, 16, I, I ended up going to play uh, junior B in, in Southern British Columbia, and then, you know, took it to junior A and then ended up going to, to college. But, um, when you're in, you know, although it's Canada and, and hockey was prevalent everywhere, it's sports and John's a small town and you're not going to be able to, you know, get noticed or, or, or develop, um, or play a high level of, of junior hockey. So a lot of kids that want to make it somewhere have to leave at a, at a really young age. And it's, um, you know, it's obviously tough for my parents, but it helps you grow up pretty quick. Um, but yeah, I, I had no idea what I was doing or that any of that stuff existed. Crazy. How about you, Danny, being
2: from Arizona? Uh, yeah, I had no clue what junior hockey was at (laughs) all to the point. Like, um, like I, so I, I made the final 40 camp for the national program and I I can remember skating there and I was the only kid that played double a that season that actually went to this tryout. And I can remember them, like them talking and like half the kids were already signed. And like, I don't know if it was already picked when I got there, but it, it was, it was a cool experience to be in that program for, for the week or whatever. And I can just remember like kids saying, yeah, if I don't make this, I'm going to go play in the USHL. What about you? I'm like, uh, what's the USHL? Like I've literally never heard of any of that stuff. I didn't even hear about the national program until somebody called me and said, Hey, do you, can you come to this camp for the weekend type thing? And it was, uh, it was kind of a similar story. Like I went home from that, that camp. It was awesome. Had a blast. Um, and then got a call like two weeks later, Hey, this is uh, coach bliss there. We drafted you to, to the Tri-City storm, in USHL. And I was like, I was like, awesome. Like, where are you, where are you guys located? He's like, we're in Tri-City. I'm like, Oh, that's like, I, at the time I thought it was up in like, like that Washington state. I, I <laughs> you the, were I was, mistaken. <laughs> I was like, all right, sweet. It sounds awesome. Um, uh, like do I, I, was, I literally asked him, I was like, do I need to come now? Or like, what is like, what is this league you're talking? Like I literally had no clue
1: do I come now? Do I, do I, do I get on a train now? What
2: do I do? Uh, and this was, this was in the futures draft. And so I was um, going to be a senior the next year. And then, um, yeah. And so decided I didn't go till halfway through my year. And then I finally did go um, and played a couple games with them. And then I, then I decided to to stay up there and, and play the rest of the season, my senior year. But Um, Yeah, I had no clue what it was. And I, my graduating class in Phoenix or in Glendale was over a thousand. And then I go to high school in Kearney, Nebraska, home of the Bearcats. And there was about 42 people in the school. And I was like, this is, this is a culture shock. And it was, it was cool. It was probably one of the best things for me at the time, but it was, uh, it was definitely interesting. And yeah, I had no idea, but it was fun.
0: That's awesome. Well, I want to get another question to you guys. So, um, you guys obviously got to play under, uh, Todd Knott at uh Mankato. I'm not sure if he recruited you guys or not, but Notter is kind of known in the college hockey circles as one of the best, uh, just awesome human being, great guy. Um, it was, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but when I was coaching in college, one of the things that I would like to do is I would ask, non-partial parties, like junior coaches or advisors, agents, um, who who does it the best? Like who who's the best recruiter in the game, just for my own kind of education. And it was amazing how many people said Todd Cannot. Like he was the best recruiter in college hockey. And you think Mankato, you would think somebody from like BC or Michigan or Minnesota or something like that. But I mean, you see the rise of Mankato and you see what they're doing right now. I think their goals against average Evan for the last couple years is like under one <laughs> or at least pretty close to that. Um, so what was it like, did you guys get recruited by Nodder? Um, and what was he like getting the chance to play under him?
2: Um, he's, he's hands down the best guy. He didn't, he didn't recruit me. Um, Eric means did. Um, but he was, he was part of that. I think it might've been our, was, was it his first year was our first year. Or was he there the year before?
3: I think he had one year before we got there.
2: Um, But yeah, he's the, the cool part is like, you hear that story and as good as a recruiter, he was like, he was that much better at actually being your coach. And so like, it didn't, it didn't stop when he was just recruiting you. Like when you got there and like, we still keep in touch this day, like text messaging back and forth. I still, I live in Mankato and coach his kid now. And it's kind of, it's coming full circle and it's, uh, yeah, he literally, he's, you don't, I mean, you don't get any better than that. That's for sure.
3: Yeah, Yeah, that's cool. He didn't recruit, uh, Darren Blue recruited me, but, um, you know, I've, I've heard stories of, of guys that, you know, oh, I had, I had a few offers here and there and, and they, they all say that like after talking to Nader, um, it sort of solidified it for him and, and uh, building off of what Danny said. Yeah, he was, he was a great guy. I mean, always energetic, no matter, you know, what day it was, if you came to the rink and maybe you were a little sluggish, Nader came in with energy um, he was able to read the room and he read guys really well. So um, yeah, he was, uh, he, he was awesome. And and everyone that I, you know, that we played with that still uh, coaches to this day or is involved in hockey. When we catch up, it's always, Oh yeah. I talked to an auditor the other day and asked him this question. So he's someone that people will still rely on. That's awesome. So cool to hear that. Cause he is, he's, he's a
0: fantastic guy. So um, and, and it's crazy. Like when I would ask these, these people about, you know, who the best coaches were. And a lot of them would say not, or I would ask him like, what is like, what does he do? (laughs) What's his, what's his secret sauce? And they were kind of like, he's just a really good guy. And he's got a gift with people. Like he Mm -hmm. genuinely cares about you. And when like, he talks to you, you feel like, like he's talking to you he's not just on to the next thing or to make his point or whatever like he gets invested in in you and i just thought that was a really cool lesson for me to learn as a coach and as a recruiter even she, she's like as a person um just very cool to see that and very cool to see the rise of mankato with with him and, and bluey bringing in all those guys as well
2: for sure he's uh notter obviously a big part of it and i was I was fortunate or unfortunate I, i'd say more fortunate I, I stopped playing at the end of my sophomore year because concussions and um just got to the point where it just wasn't wasn't worth going through that and then then i switched to coaching i ended up shattering my job but that's another story uh, <laughs> oh, it's, uh, like it was cool to see both sides of the coin like i got to see Nodder as a coach and he was so personable and so like fun to be around and then the the other side of it like being like uh, i mean as a student assistant coach with him like the stuff that he thinks about, like, it's not just video to him. It's like, okay, we're going to do this video, but here's who we're going to talk to when we do it first in the room. Here's who we're going to, here's who we're going to be tougher on. Here's who we're going to be easier on. And I think a lot of that comes from Mike Hastings too. And Nauter the first person to tell you, like you, you become your head coach. And Mike Hastings is one of the best to do it. Obviously most wins in the, in the country last six years. So I've got to throw that in there, Minnesota state. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, they've got something special going on there. And I think that's why, and plus it doesn't help, doesn't hurt when you got Dryden McKay back there, stopping literally everything that gets shot at him.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a cool experience. I, I had a similar one with two of my coaches that I coached that I played for at Cornell. Uh, I got to coach with Brent Brecky at Miami of Ohio. And then I got to coach back at Cornell with Mike Schaefer. And it is like, it's such an, like, as a college athlete, you kind of just think that the coaches sit around and drink coffee and watch hockey and talk hockey all day. But like the method to the madness is insane. There's so much more work that goes into it than anybody even recognizes. And not just on the X's and O's side and putting the video stuff together, but I think the best coaches, and, and I'm lucky the fact that I got to work with um, two programs that are top ten programs in the country for the past decade or so, um, you just see the the work on the people side of it. and you see the work on the culture and and how much thought goes into those kinds of things and planning and and like there's a reason why these programs are where they are. Like it didn't just happen overnight. there's there's a method to it, and there's a care to it. And uh, yeah, I had a similar experience where you kind of peek back behind the curtain and you're like, oh, this is why we're good. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense now.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, to that point, like, especially, I mean, every age group has their, um, you know, their intricacies, but college is when everyone's trying to, you know, you're, you're, you're becoming a man, you're coming into your, you know, into who you are and trying to figure that out, I think. Um, so I watched an interview that Teddy Bluger did. He, he's uh, with the Penguins and, and Danny and I played with him in Mankato and, um, he talked about how he realized that every day he just had to be the hardest working guy. He's like, as long as I am, and I can tell myself that I was the hardest working guy on and off the ice today, I know I will stick around and did a good job. And he, he said that he figured that out, uh, his second year at Mankato. And, um, and, you know, that was one thing that I, I remember during that time, he was having a rough time and, um, uh, you know, or Hastings, Bluey, they, they kind of got on him a little bit. And, um, and they knew what button to press at what time. And it, uh, I think it was uh, great for his career. Obviously, he's, he's, he's crushing it now with the Penguins and, um, and a lot of that was built, uh, you know, at Mankato for him.
0: I love it. I love it. So cool. Well, let's, let's uh, switch gears here. And uh, I want to talk about project hockey, your guys's organization company that, that you started here. And for the listeners out there, like this thing, you know, based upon how Jeff and I talk about the different people that we choose to bring on the podcast or the sponsors or the companies that we choose to work with, you know, we put a lot of thought into that and like, we're not just going to bring on anybody who has something to sell. Like this is legit. This is 100% legit, and I got the chance to hear the presentation a couple weeks ago. Uh, Danny got on with our board of directors of the organization that I'm with right now, and this thing is like a home run for for all the kids out there and and organizations. So I want to get into it because like, you guys got into this and started this for the same reasons that Jeff and I started this podcast. You want to make a positive impact on the hockey world. And, and that's why, uh, you know, the, the product itself is, is amazing, but I know the thought behind it and the care behind it is, is a hundred percent there as well. Um, and you know, it's interesting, Danny, as I was going through the website here before the podcast, just to kind of get a little bit more ammo after listening to you talk and everything. I think the really cool thing that you talk about in, in this project hockey venture that you guys have is you want to give athletes the how and the why of what they can do at home to continually develop. And I just think that's such an important thing for a lot of kids to hear. And I think that's such an important thing for a lot of coaches to hear because, you know, you have to do a little bit extra. You have to do something a little bit different if you have these dreams of aspirations of doing something a little bit different and a little bit better. And so if you can provide, because I feel like a lot of coaches out there would say, hey, you need to work hard. Okay, well, what does that mean? give, give them something that they can do to work hard. Um, Hey, you need to do extra, Okay, well what does that mean? And it's different for every kid, you know. Some kids need to work on X, others need to work on Y and all this kind of stuff. And and this app like really provides kids with the the how and the why for, you know, the their betterment of doing the little bit extra. So, what was your what was your kind of thought process in starting Project Hockey? Why did you what what was your how and why? In, in doing this and then we can get into a little bit more of how the how and why for these kids and getting better
2: yeah kind of and i i mean you teed that like awesome thanks for that but um it's it's kind of goes back to like honestly like give more be more like the whole like bex's whole idea is like we're trying to leave this game better than we found it simple like at its bare roots that's literally all we're trying to do and we're doing that through a project right and so it's been going on for about three years now and honestly it started back and that 10 year old kid back in Glendale, Arizona, that would race home from the rink. And like, I just told you, like we had phenomenal coaches that did dry land that we did. We did off ice stuff with them all the time. We went to like these awesome gyms and these, like, it was really cool. And we, we did all this extra stuff, but I, I would always run home from the rink and be like, mom, how do I, how do I get better at hockey? And she's, she's a Canadian gal, but she never, she never played our game. Um, she moved to the States when she was 16 and, um, just never, never got into it for whatever reason. And I can ask her like, mom, how do I get better? And she'd be like, leave me alone. I am doing stuff. And, and she was the best mom ever, but she just didn't, she loved watching me play hockey, but there wasn't a ton. She loved yelling at me, uh, playing hockey as well. Um, but she would, she literally say like, grab your little stick and, and go stick handle in the kitchen. And so I'd say, all right, grab my stick. I'd start sticking in the kitchen. I'd snap one of her cupboards off. She'd come in and and smack me on top of the head. And like, that was my, that was my dry land at home training. That was it for the night. And it made me tougher. Like I definitely, definitely got a little tougher and it was, was harder to get off the puck in the corners, but it didn't like, it didn't help me as a player develop. And so always wanted something more. And so then it just, that's kind of what happened, right? Like I, I said, I stopped coaching my sophomore year and started to, to help out the youth organizations, um, And I I realized that there was a lot of kids that had that same thing, right? Whether they are doing stuff every single day at the rink with their coaches, but they still wanted more. Or in some cases, like not every coach played at, you know, played college hockey, played in the NHL, played wherever, and they just didn't have it. Or maybe those coaches are just so busy that like, hey, we have an awesome on ice practice plan. You can't expect a youth hockey coach. And at least where I'm from, no youth hockey coach is making a living doing it. And so they they couldn't be expected to make that off ice plan. And so I just started to piece together some drills and some content for kids to do at home. And at that time it was just a Google sheet that we went back and forth sharing. And the cool thing was like, i would wake up in the morning, like 20 more people would re- have requested access to this sheet. And then the association next door and the association next door. And it, it just got to the point where we needed to to find a way to, to make it just a little bit more interactive and, and put the community first because Obviously with an app, it's different, but the, what we do and the, why we do it and the how we do it is, is pretty special at, at Project Hockey. And like, like you said, kids, kids can log in. It's a, uh, it's, um, it's an app for the kids to, to get better all the way from not just stick handling, not just like we do hockey IQ, we do hockey mindset, we do anything that a kid needs it's going to be inside project hockey for them. And like I said, it is, it is for that extra piece too, right? Like we're not, we're not sitting here trying to think like we've been in the game long enough. We know we're not, we're not replacing anything that people are doing on the ice or even in some facilities. But what we are doing is helping about 95% of the population that can't a afford that can't, or be just, they don't have access because of the resource and we're able to provide them with, with some skills training with coaches from, not just myself and, and Evan here, but like we have Maddie Rooney, who is arguably the best goalie in the game right now. Um, USA Olympic gold medal winner, 2018, another USA gold medal. We're starting to catch Canada about 55 more and we'll get you boo. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's cool what we're doing. And it's, it's pretty special to be a project hockey member because like I said, on any, any given day, you can be working on hockey mindset with, with um, an ex division one hockey player all the way to, to the guy who played in the NHL. We have a few coaches that did that as well, and so it's um, yeah, it's pretty special. That's really
0: cool. And one of the things I love uh, about it too is there's there's certainly parts to it that are centered around competition. And so, you know, there's some public scores that you can post and you can do it with your buddies and kind of have a little bit of that competitive edge to it. And I think we can all sit here and agree that if once, once there's a scoreboard, you know, it it, it amps it up a little bit. And so talk a little bit about just how you guys have found a way to weave in um, a little bit of competitiveness into, into this
2: app as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you look at the best players in our game, like you look at the Hillary Knights, you look at the Sydney Crosby's They're they're always, in my opinion, they're always the most competitive people, whether it's like at the rink, whether it's, and I guarantee like the guarantee on the teams you guys grew up playing on, like you guys are the most competitive people. And usually the best players on the team are the most competitive. And that's because that's what it takes to, to play at a high level in hockey. And so we do that inside project hockey every day. We compete. Um, we do stuff that we put a time behind it. So we'll, you know, we'll have a stick handling drill and say, okay, it's great. Like, you know, the skill you master it now, how many times can you do it in five minutes or how many times can you do it 30? How many times can you do this stick handling drill 30 times and, and things like that. And like you said, like it, it goes into a leaderboard. And so we, we've got members, I think we're in six different countries now. Um, so the kid in the kid down in St. Louis can see how they, they did against the, the girl up in Ottawa or the the team over in in California or the the hockey player in Saudi Arabia like we're we're a global community and the cool part about our app is like one it's a safe environment so if there's any parents listening like I have a three-year-old daughter and the last thing I want is for her to see some of the stuff that's floating around Instagram and Facebook and so we've taken that stuff out and we've made it a safe environment for kids to come and and really be a community first. And then the hockey content follows that. And so kids can talk to each other. There's nothing behind closed doors. There's no direct messaging. It's, it's, it's all hockey content. And like I said, like when Lauren Williams, who's phenomenal mindset coach, she played at Wisconsin plays pro hockey. She does a mindset talk with our kids. Our kids are then talking about that. Like they're having conversations around goal setting and they're having conversations about how to get better as a hockey player. And, to me, that's what it's all about. And that's why that's why we put community first. And that's why we compete. And the cool part is like, we've had members for three years now. And we just had a kid do his 300 challenge. Uh, and we repeat them from time to time to show that development, track that development. And this kid has literally gone, like this one workout, we actually named one after him. Um, his name is Joey Mullins, Jay Mullins, we named one after him. He's like, he's cut his time from eight minutes and something all the way down to like four minutes. And so at the very least, like yeah, he obviously got better, but the confidence that kid has from our program and and what and everything else that's tied into his development is something that that you don't get anywhere else. And I mean, we're we're nineteen ninety nine a month because I I just feel like there needs to be a resource for every kid. And so, literally, for less than me and my family spent at Chipotle tonight for dinner, you can you can have access to all that all the goods and all the development that Project Hockey has to offer. Very cool.
0: Yeah, very cool. And, and, you know, one of the things that is really cool about it too, and we'll bring Evan uh, on here right now too, is like, it's not like, there's so many different things that you can do. Like there's some office workouts, there's some stick handling stuff, there's mindset, there's goal setting, like there's so many different things. So, you know, It's the development is not a one size fits all for for anybody. Everybody has a different path. Everybody has different strengths and weaknesses. So you can come on and do these challenges that fit what you want to do. And you guys didn't leave the goaltenders off of this either, which a lot of people do. It's just like a a straight up hockey app, but you guys really do a great job of having goaltending specific things. You mentioned Maddie Rooney, um, Team USA women's gold medalist, uh, is a part of it. Evan, uh, you know, you're very much involved in the goaltending side of things. So if you can, just speak a little bit to, to what you do and, and the types of things you have for goalies on here as well.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Danny, you know, started this thing and um, you know, a few months back he he kind of gave me a call and and to your point, he said, you know, we, we can't leave goaltenders out of this. This has to be fully inclusive. And and uh we had a lot of learnings from from you know the good and the bad that uh was learned for the last two or three years of Project Hockey, we use that, and we launched the the goalie program, and um and it's been received really, really well. I mean, when you know, when you have a bunch of your teammates already using this app, and and then you know, you add the goalies in, um, I think I think it's been awesome. Bringing on Matty Rooney and some of the other goaltending coaches that we have has has given us some some great content, and um and yeah, it's been exciting. I mean, when I when I came on outside of the goalie stuff, I mean, Danny wears think he wears probably like 45 hats, you know, trying to run this, this whole operation. And um, I'm trying to take uh, as many of those off of, of him as I can. I think I probably now I wear maybe four or five myself, but, um, but it's, uh, it's been exciting to see the community grow. And um, to your point earlier about, yes, it has mindset stuff. We have hockey IQ stuff um, there. There's the training uh, aspect, the challenges, you know, what's really cool is we have kids that say, you know, we, we use everything. We love everything. We have some kids that say, you know, for that price, I just really like that every every couple of times a month, there's an NHL player that you bring on Zoom and we get a to sit in front and ask this NHL player, you know, questions on a and a which I didn't have access to till I was in college, right? Or, you know, we just really like that there's um, this mindset stuff. We find a lot of value in that. And and people, um, we're learning, they're, they're using this app in a, in a variety of ways. There's kids that are you know, they're using it every single day and, and doing their challenges and their workouts, and the mindset stuff. There's coaches that tell their kids, hey, why don't you watch this Hockey IQ uh, video on your way to the rink? And then we're going to use that, you know, whether it's creating two-on-ones or whatever IQ session, we're going to use that to talk about before our practice, because that's what we're going to focus on in practice today. So it's giving coaches and associations, um, you know, an extra tool uh, and it's right there. They don't have to think about it and um and it's been really cool to see how how it's received in a variety of different ways. yeah,
0: for sure i think um I think another thing that's really interesting about it and and i'm I'm a youth coach I, I coach an eighteen u team right now, and you know we did the whole thing where you know we sat down, we set goals, hey, these are the things we're going to do every day to to make sure we're reaching our goals and, you know, at, and, and I try to be as specific and detailed as possible. Like, okay, every Monday we're going to be doing pushups at four o'clock, right. When we get home from school, like there's, it's gotta be that specific because the information, like that kids are coming in and out of their head. Like it just, it has to be very structured. And, and I struggle with that because like, That's not, that's not sexy. And we've had this, this debate and this, this conversation on this podcast with, with many other people. It's like, how do you make development sexy? Because getting better is mundane. Like getting better is doing the same freaking thing day in and day out and getting half a percent better every day. And that but that's not sexy. So how do you find a way to make it sexy? And I think what you guys have done is you've made the mundane a little bit sexy in the fact that, you know, it's it's a community and you can do this with, you know, your teammates or with your buddies, or you can, you know, measure yourself against somebody from Sweden, you know, which is cool for a younger kid. You know, you do a competition, it's like, hey, okay, I did this in 10 seconds and and Hans from Sweden did it in 10.4, and I beat a kid from Sweden. That's kind of cool. Mm. Um and and I just feel like there are so many kids that that want to do more and that want to do, but they don't necessarily want the mundanity of of. It's not even a word, mundanity. <laughs> Probably I don't not. Know. But you, know you know where I'm getting at? <laughs> like it's it like. And you guys have found a way to make the mundane a little bit more fun, make the mundane a little bit more palatable. So, you know, kids are looking forward. It's not like, okay, I have to do this today to get better. It's actually like, oh, I get to do this today. Uh, it's a little bit more fun. So I just in, in that aspect, I think that's what a lot of coaches are looking for. Like how do we make the development process a little bit more fun for the kids so they want to do it? And then when they develop that that passion for it, then when it gets to be a little bit more mundane when they get a little bit older. It's it's like, okay, now I'm, I'm into it, you know? So I just think that's a really cool part of it. Was that something that you guys talked about in developing this as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I think, you know, you put competition in front of anything and it makes it more exciting. And then you put that competition with your buddies. I think it makes it even sexier. And then I think you put it in front of competition with the entire world. It's uh it's something that kids get excited for. And I'd be sitting here lying saying if I didn't get pretty rattled when, you know, that 10 year old kid from California beats me at one of the challenges, which, which <laughs> happens way too often. Um, cause I do all the workouts I do them about a week or so ahead of time to make sure they're, they're dialed and ready to go. But it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And, um, you know, the kids they're they're competing against themselves and, and some of the, some of the phone calls and emails that we get, like it's, uh, it's, it's helping a lot of hockey players right now. And it's, it's, it's reaching a ton of different kids. And like Evan said, like those zoom calls that we get with some of these kids and like Teddy Bluger came on and did a Q and a with our, our players. And one of the, one of our members on Calgary diehard flames fan sent the best email after it Was like, Hey, that was, my son has never talked to an NHL hockey player before he got to ask him five different questions that got answered right right in front of his face. And he's like, he bought it, he bought a Teddy Bluger Jersey that night online. And like, those are the types of things that like Teddy was probably the first NHL hockey player that I spoke to because I never, I never had access to that. I mean, besides our two coaches, they're ex NHLs, but somebody that was actually playing in the national hockey league um, at the time was something that, you know, it's, it's, some people probably get it all the time, but it doesn't happen for 95% of the population. And for project hockey members, it, it happens quite a bit. And, I mean, we've got Sammy Joe small coming on this week, actually Thursday, who's the, the U S or she's the Canadian Olympic gold tender. She's won three gold, two gold medals, one silver medal. Um, she's Canadian royalty. And it's uh, you know, our, our, our players get to talk to her and, and ask questions and, and different things like that. And it's uh, yeah, it's, it's special to be a member. It's, it's something that when we started it, it was just to, to honestly help the kids around us. And then we realized we could help more and more and more and, That's why we're, we're bringing on the right coaches and and building this with the hockey community, um, instead of for it. Cause I think a lot of times that that can get mixed up a little bit. And so we're, yeah, we're just trying to, to help as much as we can. If, and if anybody's listening, we, I mean, we work with over 60 youth hockey associations and we're always doing awesome, awesome program stuff with them. And it's, it's turning into communication tools for these kids. And it's, it's something that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's special.
0: Sounds like it Vex. So I got the chance to sit in on on Danny um, doing this presentation and, and talking about it. Um, what What are your thoughts on this? Just uh, first time you're kind of hearing about it and stuff. It's pretty sweet, eh?
1: Well, I know Danny from working with Tyler in St. Louis here, but I love the idea of saying, a coach saying to the kids like, hey, we're going to work on, you know, whatever. We're going to work on two Open up your project hockey app while your mom or dad's driving you on the way to the practice. Look at you know, this, and then we're going to go over that right away. Like yeah. for me, somebody who, you know, I didn't have a dad who played hockey and could always be teaching me stuff outside the rink. Like I would have eaten this shit up, man. And like, you know, nobody ever told me what to do. Like I've talked about on the podcast before the one summer where I really started working hard and set going into seventh grade, I stood still for like four hours a day on the ice and just shot like thousands of pucks. Like I look back and I'm like, Oh my God, if I had if I had this $19.99 a month, and I could have been using that whole sheet of ice that I got to myself every single day for a few summers, like I would have been way freaking better, you know, and and challenges and all these things. Like it's just it's unbelievable the 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 value that this is. And like you said, you know, it costs less than than what uh uh the hype man ate at Chipotle himself. And we know he ate over twenty dollars. Don't even worry about what his family spent there. <laughs> double chicken double guac probably got a couple cookies don't lie but uh you know i i just think that this is this is awesome i love the price point i love how cheap it is you know adding value so more people can not everybody can afford a skills coach not everybody can can afford to get you know have their have time to drive their kid to those stick and pucks on the weekend or whatever so this is just massively massively important and uh, I mean, I, I think it, it's so cool. How you guys have branched out to talking to organizations and having them start to use it as opposed to just individuals. I think it's really cool.
3: For sure. Yeah, and like the, that was a huge, you brought up the price point And like, I don't know if you guys look at these stats, but you know, the Aspen Institute does a, an annual report. It's called the State of Play. And uh, it's probably no surprise to us, but out of like, I think there's 20 or, or more people uh, sports, uh, that they, that they track between the ages of six and 18, um, hockey is like above and beyond the most expensive sport to play, uh, in, in the U S and, and probably Canada. I think the average price across all 20 plus of those sports is like 900 a year that parents play and hockey's like 25, $2,600, um, on average, right. Between six and 18 years old. And obviously if you're going to get to a higher level, it's, it's, it's much, much more than that. Uh, and a big part of that price outside of registration and travel is training, right? Like my, my parents could afford to send me one time in the summer when I was much older to a camp, right? Go, go for four days, five days, um, and, and get better and then take whatever you learn and bring it into the season with you. And, um, I didn't have those resources, right? Like Danny doing his stick handling in the, in the kitchen, it was me during hockey night in Canada on Saturdays, watching the goalies on TV, kind of doing my, my goalie movements off the ice, uh, just mimicking them. Right. Uh, had no idea what I was doing. Didn't have a dad or, or mom that played hockey either. And, um, and that, you know, the mission statement is leave the game better than we found it. And um, if we can slowly keep chipping away at that and keep more kids in the game uh, and bring more kids in uh, I think we've, you know, that's the goal.
1: I love that. And another thing, too, like, I mean, Tolf and I always talk about being a multi-sport athlete, especially when you're younger, getting off the ice. And something I'm noticing here in St. Louis with some of the goalies I train that are younger, they're having hip problems because they're on the ice all the damn time. And that, that causes overuse injuries. They don't get to build an athletic foundation and a strength base because they never get off the ice. So, like, just thinking out loud, this would be another great thing for players to use in the summer. It's like, yeah, you know what? Mandatory, little Johnny, one month off the ice. You are not allowed to step on the ice, but I'll get you the Project Hockey app, and you can bang around with that in the in the driveway, in the basement, with your friends out in the street, whatever. You can still work on your skills, but I want you to stay off the ice. So in the summer, for parents listening, like I think this could be a great thing where the, your son or daughter could still work on their uh, their skills in a fun, challenging environment, testing themselves, but without having to step on the ice because – Toph and I both believe it's pretty important to get off the ice in the summers, at least for a month.
3: hundred percent. I had hip surgery my first year in college. Now my hips were shot and I was one of, I think, eight guys during my time in Mankato that I did. So it's definitely important to be uh, making a variety throughout the year for sure.
0: What do you think the percentages of hockey players that have had some sort of hip, ab, or groin surgery? Um, I, that that played, co- let's say, college hockey, junior college hockey and above.
2: Well, let's see here. How, how many of you guys have? I have, growing. <laughs> I had
0: two. Um, I had two. Both sides done. Both hips.
2: Yeah.
3: Wow. Yeah, I'd put it. I mean, I'd, it's got to be 30-plus percent, right? Is that, is that low?
0: I had no problems, guys, because <laughs> I did my
1: prehab. Yeah.
3: So <laughs> <it's>, uh... <laughs> I
0: ripped mine. So you guys will get a kick out of this. So like we, not a kick out of this, but we, we had a Cornell, the, the hockey treadmill. Bleh. So we would like, I, I actually think maybe, maybe you would disagree with me, Vax, but like, I actually think, <laughs> so if you do it, if you do it slowly and you do it like just for form, then I actually think it might have some value. Jeff, Hundred percent disagree. Hundred percent disagree. Those things. But we used to do like gasser workouts on, like go till you fail. Work. And this is, you know, this is the early two thousands, so it's it's a different time. And I think now we look back on it and be like, why did half the team have to get a groin or hip surgery? <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. But we would legitimately do go till you fail. It was like a mental toughness workout, yeah. you know, kind of thing where you you skate and then finally when you would give up, you just grab onto the bar. And yeah. it was just like, it, you've actually just say, I know that grinds no, you. Ew. The
1: the, <laughs> your, the way that your steel is positioned on those versus on the ice is different. So you're using different muscles. You change the way your skating stride is. You're falling forward. So your chest position is different. I absolutely hate everything about those. Ice is not on an incline. The incline is always too high when I watch those videos. I absolutely think that those are extremely unnecessary. Uh
2: yeah they're different there we i had to skate on a couple of those my freshman year and it was kind of the same idea where it's just like it was tough and i just came off i actually uh i dislocated my pubic bone um in junior hockey which is they say it's very common in pregnant women so at least i got <laughs> not that makes myself. sense um but uh it uh yeah so i had that end up having to have double sports hernia surgery on on each side and they had to reconfigure that whole deal and then next year I was on that that treadmill and then sprinkle in like seven or eight concussions and it was just like holy cow like this is uh this is a lot I think I've I played three years in the USHL and probably played a total of like 10 healthy games and then maybe 60 total and it's 60 game seasons right and like I think I I don't even know if I got to 60 like it it just was I was hurt and beat up and it was just too much and it, uh, yeah, it got to the point. And then, like I said, I switched to coaching and then I was on the bench in a high school game and our coach says, heads up and I look up and took a puck to the mouth, shattered my jaw. Um, I ended up being wired shut for eight weeks and yeah, couldn't stay away from it, but thankfully I've been pretty healthy for a while and it's, uh, yeah, hockey pucks are hard. That's for sure. <laughs>
0: crazy all right so last question before I let you guys go here um so Danny you said you played for Ulf Samuelson so that was a guy in my childhood that was like I'm trying to think of like a player who it would be like who who would you compare Ulf Samuelson in today's game like who would be a defenseman that would kind of I I don't even know if there is one to be honest with you
2: I don't think there is (laughs) I don't know just somebody
0: that always got under the other team's skin. It was physical. It was cheap. Like just everybody hated him. I think if you could probably put a, a like a hit on him in Boston for, for the Cam Neely stuff. Um, what was it like playing for him? And I know he, I think he coaches in the NHL now or he coaches pro hockey. At least he has. Um, what was it like playing for, for Ulf?
2: Uh, intense. he, the way he played was like the way he coached and when he jumped in on the drills, it's like, he was playing back in the NHL. Like he was, <laughs> he was ruthless. Like you were getting slashed on the shin. You were getting, you were getting two handed. If you took the puck from him, like if you got the puck from him, you didn't have it very long. Um, and I, I think it was probably one of the best things, him and Jimmy Johnson, they are both kind of hard-nosed defensemen. Um, and it was, it was, it was unbelievable. Like the, the stories he has, the Stanley Cups, the, the the pedigree and he's yeah I don't I honestly don't I'm still trying to spin my wheels on who I'd who'd I'd compare him to the NHL right now but it's I don't think they make him like that anymore. Like he's uh he's a tough guy and he he was fun to play with and his his kids were pretty good hockey players too and it was uh it was it was fun it was different and yeah he he definitely he treated practice and and sometimes they would come out there in full gear like it was the NHL still and it's like whoa like <laughs> It was, it was awesome. It was so good for us. And it was, and I know like how fortunate we were to have that, like not everybody got that. And so it was, um, and that's like another big reason why project hockey is solely to, to make this game better than we found it. Cause I mean, you guys are obviously great examples too. how much hockey can do for you. Like I didn't even play outside of college and yet it's, it's literally how I found my wife. It's how, it's how everything in my life, I can tie it back to the game. Um, and so it's, it's huge. And, and all and Jimmy, were were a huge part of that for sure.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, thanks for taking the time to come on here and, and talk about your product. Again, like I said, like Jeff and I, we do not take these kinds of things lightly and we want to make sure if, if we want to promote something, um, we, we put a lot of thought into it. I mean, geez, we didn't do sponsorships until what, like 75 episodes in or something like that, uh, I mean-
1: I think people told us that like 10,000, we could start making money. And we waited till like a hundred thousand,
0: whatever it was. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it just, uh, getting the chance to, to kind of get to know you guys here and, and, and the product again, project hockey, it's an app. Like, where can you find it guys? Like what's the best way for, for people to, uh, to find, find it.
2: Yeah, we're we our website, Project um, you can check us out on all social channels just at Project Hockey, or you can go give a follow to Danny Hype. But uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's um it's project the best best place to get it, or or just get in touch with one of us and our our customer service is phenomenal because it's it's mainly me and um, I'll help out in any way I can. <laughs> so it's uh
1: only if you answer text messages calls and emails with that voice
0: (laughs) i was gonna say we should get him we should i'm like we should get him to do the uh the intro to our podcast oh my god that would be unreal
2: (laughs) to get we'll have to get people excited but yeah we're um, we're we're excited Um, and then i know we're gonna we're gonna offer up some some stuff for for the listeners. I don't know when, when that, when you want us to do that, but uh.
0: yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it in, in the intro, but uh for sure. Like, so these guys, they want to offer uh, associations a free month of this. So if you go to project hockey and use, use the coupon code think tank uh, j- just one word think tank, uh, then you can get a free month of project hockey and, and uh you can just experience of, of what it's all about. And so we would encourage everybody to, uh, to, to check it out and, and go to projecthockey.com and and Evan, Danny, thanks so much for taking the time on this beautiful, freezing cold night to, uh, to talk some hockey with us and wish you nothing but success, uh, in the future. And we'll be in touch for sure. Oh, yes.